Hi friends, this is Caleb Suko, and you are listening to the Now is the Time podcast. Today I'm going to share with you the sermon I preached yesterday on the holiness of God as a motivation for missions. This is a text that I have used very significantly in the writing of my book, Is God Calling Me to Missions? And so I'm going to be preaching a number of servants... A number of sermons before we head back to Ukraine on this topic of calling to missions and, and mainly from Isaiah chapter 6 because it is so key to our understanding of the mission task and the mission call. But I want to let you know that my book is now available on Amazon. You can order the paperback version of the book Kindle is not out yet, but it will be out shortly. But for now, you can order the paperback version of the book on Amazon. But before you do that, you should know that as just as a thank you for anyone who gives a donation to the ministry in January, we're going to just be sending out a copy of the book and I'll sign it. Not that that makes it any better or anything, but I will sign the book. So if you'd like to give a donation to help us get back to Ukraine, we're going back on January 15th. So that's just one month from today, from the date. Today is January 15th. Did I say January or February? <laughs> anyway, today's January 15th and we're going back to Ukraine on February 15th. So we just have one month left, and certainly uh, those donations can help as we get back into the ministry there and begin to work with some ministry projects to help get the gospel out in Ukraine and also to help the churches there to be effective in their gospel preaching. So anyway, just wanted to let you know that, that if you would like the book, um, any donation to the ministry in January, we will be sending out a copy, a signed copy of the book as a, as just our appreciation for your gift. So you can find information on how to do, how to give at sugofamily.org. And until then, or if you have any questions, let me know, but let's get into this sermon on the holiness of God as a motivation for missions. If you have your Bibles open to Isaiah chapter 6, and I want to just begin by reading this passage. This is one of the well-known mission passages of the Old Testament and really of the Bible. And in fact, this is probably the passage that more than any other passage in Scripture, really gave me the foundation in, in missions and the, the motivation in missions and the desire to, to serve God in missions as I studied this calling of Isaiah to, to missions, really. And so let me read for you, start, starting in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. We'll read the first five verses. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. 
and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe is me, I cried, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. These are the words of Isaiah as he describes his very unique and amazing calling to missions by God himself. I believe God has called me to missions, but I did not receive a call like Isaiah did. It was a little bit different, but it did have some of the same really foundational aspects in it. And so as we think this morning about this calling of Isaiah, I want to really focus on the motivation for missions. What motivates us? And really when I say missions, I don't only mean missions in another country, but I mean our mission, our mission as a church. We do have a mission as a church, and our mission as a church is to bring the good news of the gospel to the lost world around us. And so as as a church, we are also on a mission. As Isaiah was given a mission here in Isaiah chapter 6, And so it's important that we recognize the proper motivation of that mission because motivation is is important. And that's one of the things that really sets Christianity apart from other religions. You see, other religions, you can go and you can do the right thing. And as long as you do the right thing and as long as you show up at the right place and as long as you say the right things, you're fine. They're religious ceremonies. And they just require you to do the right thing. But when we come to Scripture, we find that God says, wait a minute, I want you not only to do the right thing, but I want you to do it for the right reasons. It's an issue of the heart. And in fact, I think that as we look at Scripture, we will find that the heart issues, the motivating factors of why we do what we do, are actually even of primary importance and are of greater importance than even what we do, all that is also important. And so when we think about our mission and what we're doing, it's important for us to evaluate why we are doing these things. Another verse here from Isaiah, I, I think, really stands out when we think about the motivations of the heart. Isaiah 29, 13 says this, The Lord says, These people come near to me but their mouth, uh, with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. So we don't want our churches to become like that. We don't want our, our mission to become like that. Where we know all the right things to do, and we do all the right things, and we sing all the right songs, and we say all the right words, and we wear all the right clothing. We read all the right books, but our hearts are far from God, or our hearts are motivated by something other than what God would have our hearts motivated by. 
And so that's why I think it's important that we look and, and study these passages where God calls someone specifically to missions. I so said, what, what was the motivation there? What is God really talking about? And I would argue with you, and we'll look into this deeper as we look at this passage, that what we see here in Isaiah chapter 6 is that uh, the primary motivation for missions that God gives very specifically to Isaiah is that of God's holiness and God's glory. That would be Isaiah 6 verse 3. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. That verse isn't there by accident. It is there because God is specifically communicating to Isaiah this core and foundational aspect of who He is because it will become foundational in His motivation to missions and the task that God had called him to do. So a little background on this text here. You'll notice that in verse 1 it opens up and it says, it says, in the year King Uzziah died. Now King Uzziah was a king of, of Judah. At that time, of course, there were two kingdoms. There was Israel and there was Judah. King Uzziah was a very successful king. And it's interesting to read some of the history about King Uzziah. He was very successful. His reign was more or less peaceful. There was a lot of advancement in really in the economy, in technology. It was a prosperous time for Israel. Isaiah had an arm or Uzziah had an army of over 300,000 men. It was a very large army. People felt secure during that time. In fact, uh, if we go to 2 Chronicles, we'll see a little bit about Uzziah and, and his life because it, it really helps us understand Isaiah's calling here as we look at what was this King Uzziah like. Uh, I find it interesting, 2 Chronicles, uh, turn to 2 Chronicles 26, where we find out a little bit about Uzziah. Uh, 2 Chronicles 26, verse 15 says, In Jerusalem he made machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones. And his fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. That sort of typifies Uzziah's reign. Now, I don't know exactly what these machines were like, but this is actually several hundred years before we see some of these types of catapults and stuff being developed in other areas of the world. So he was ahead of his times. I mean, you know, he was, he was like, you know, sending rockets to, or spaceships to the moon. Okay? So he was ahead of his time. Everyone knew about him. But I think that we see some danger here, don't we? Whose fame spread? Uzziah's fame spread. Who became strong? Uzziah became strong. Uzziah missed something in all of this. Look at verse 16. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So what you have is very interesting. Uzziah is actually the second longest reigning king in Judah. I think it's about 52 years or something that, that he reigned in Judah. 
And so in that very long reign, what you have is if you go back to the beginning of chapter 26 here in 2 Chronicles, you will find that Uzziah was said that he was actually a pretty good king in the beginning. He was, he was righteous. He, at least he did the right things. But what we have is we see that there was sort of a, maybe a slip or sort of a slow movement away in his heart from God, in his motivations. I mean, he was doing the right things. He was experiencing success. But yet, there was something going on in his heart where his motivations were not exactly in the right place. And we see that here in verse 16 where it says, he grew proud to his destruction. What is that? That is, we're talking about heart motivations, aren't we? We're talking about, why are you doing? Why are you developing these technologies? Why are you trying to make your country stronger? Is it for God's fame or for your own fame? And unfortunately, we see that it was for Uzziah's own fame. That's what it had turned to be. Read on a little bit here in 2 Corinthians chapter 26. Verse 17 says, But Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priest in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to go out because the Lord had struck him. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. And being a leper, lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's household, governing the people of the land. And so, very sad ending to Uzziah, isn't it? You see what happens when our motivations become wrong? We may be doing all the right things outwardly, but eventually we will make a mistake and we will begin to go against what God says. And actually, you could look at this here and say, well, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like he went and murdered someone or committed adultery or did any kind of vile sin like that. Uh, he was ministering in the temple. That's like a good thing, right? Yeah, but he wasn't supposed to be there. And the reason that he was there was because the motivations of his heart were wrong. They were filled with pride. And so you see this progression in the life of Uzziah. And by the way, this is not the first time something like this has happened. Remember Nadab and Abihu, who went in and offered strange fire to God? You remember the sons of Korah? And who also, in numbers, they, they, they were coming against Moses and against the authority that God has set out, and 250 people. God said, nope, you can't do that. Or remember Saul, King Saul, also did something similar. He got impatient. He couldn't wait for Samuel to show up in 1 Samuel 13, and he said, well, okay, I'm going I'm to do the sacrifices and the burnt offerings. And then Samuel showed up and said, you shouldn't have done that there's going to be consequences. When our motivations get off, 
we will eventually make a mistake. We'll mess up. Eventually, we will get into a place where we think that we know better how to do something than God's plan. And that's why it's so important to understand and have proper motivations, even in ministry and missions and evangelism and all that we do, really. And so that's why it's interesting that Isaiah starts this whole vision with says, in the year that King Uzziah died. Wait a minute. This, this is the King Uzziah who was in the temple, who was offering burnt incense that he shouldn't be offering, who was then punished by God with this leprosy. Why? Because Uzziah went in and he completely disrespected, dishonored God's holiness. That's what the issue was, wasn't it? It's really what the issue was. Uzziah did not understand God's holiness, and he did not have God's holiness as his motivation and foundation for the task that God had given him to do as leader of Israel. And so we see this contrast between Isaiah and Uzziah, and how Uzziah acted in the temple under wrong motivations, not understanding the holiness of God, and how Isaiah saw the holiness of God in this vision is in the temple. It's, it's really a, an, an interesting contrast, and I think it makes sense for us to, to, to notice that, because certainly the readers of Isaiah, they would have known. They would have known what happened to Uzziah in the temple. And when all of a sudden they saw, oh, wait a minute, oh, look at this. The holiness of God is back. His glory is back. And that was going to be huge in Isaiah's ministry coming up. So I think that really, as we look at this passage, it's important to focus on the holiness of God. And first of all, ask yourselves, what is the holiness of God? There's really the primary meaning of holiness is to be separate, something that is different. Oftentimes when we think of holiness, we just think of it as, you know, somebody that is like very righteous. And certainly it has a meaning of being righteous and moral purity as well. But its primary, primary meaning is that of just being separate or different. So when God says he is holy or when these seraphims say that God is holy, what are they saying? God is different from you. He is different from me. He is different from any other gods people might worship. He is different from everything. How is God different? He is different because He is omnipotent and we are weak and failing. He is different because He is all-knowing and we are limited in our knowledge. He is different because He has no beginning or end. We have both. He is different because He is the Creator, and by definition, everything else is the creation. He is different because He is pure, we are sinful. He is different because He is perfect in all of His ways, and we are terribly lacking in all of our ways. And so the idea, the concept of God's 
differentness, his otherness, his, his, the, the fact that he is not like us and he is not like anything else that we might worship that is part of the creation is so foundational to our understanding of missions, really. Another way to look at it is to say that you and I are ordinary, but God is extraordinary. Another word that we could use to describe holiness is the word strange. Strange. Have you ever noticed how we kind of, we don't like things that are strange, generally speaking. We don't like things that are unfamiliar. There's a, a cer certain amount of fear when we see, well, that's, that's different. I don't know. That's strange. I've, I've never seen anything like that. We like the familiar things that make us feel secure and comfortable. But when people are in the presence of a holy God, there is always fear. There is always fear. Because they realize that he's different. He's not like us. You know, it, it makes me feel better when I realize that somebody else has the same problem that I do. Because I feel better about myself. Sort of like when, when, when you're in the presence of someone that you know is really talented or skilled in, in some area that you're not, you kind of feel like, ah, a little uncomfortable. Right? And so God's holiness is in a way unsettling. And we see that in Isaiah's response where he says, Woe is me. Woe is me. And, and we see that in other situations too. Think about Moses at the burning bush. That was an uncomfortable situation for him, wasn't it? I mean, he was trying to back out of that situation every way that he could. Think about when God came down with thunder and lightning and black clouds and an earthquake onto Mount Sinai and the people of Israel were standing around there. What did they tell Moses? We don't want to go up there. Why don't you go up there? It was unsettling. It was different. It was strange to them. They were scared. It was God's holiness coming down. And even when Moses came down, they're like, can you put a cloth over your face or something? Because that's unsettling to us. Because they were seeing a reflection of God's glory from His holiness. So we see that, that, that holiness is, is all about the otherness of God, how different he is from his creation. And what's interesting is that here are these seraphim, these angelic beings around the throne. They are designed specifically for one task, to be around the throne and to cry out, holy, holy, holy. Can you imagine that? That tells you how important this idea of a holy God is, doesn't it? Even their bodies are designed for it. Six wings, but two, four of them, they don't even use for flying. Cover their face and cover their feet out of respect for God's holiness. And their voices are designed for it. I mean, when they said holy, they, the, the foundation of the threshold of the temple shook. We're talking about stone. You know, what's really interesting is that during the time of Uzziah's reign, their uh, archaeologists know that there was a very large earthquake that took place. And it was around 10 years or so before the end of his reign, which was around the time when he would have gone into the temple and had the unauthorized fire. And some uh, scholars wonder if maybe that earthquake happened when Isaiah went in there 
and disrespected God's holiness. But what we do know is that when Isaiah goes into the temple, there is another earthquake, right? And again, all of this is just to underscore the importance of God's holiness. It's like when you're watching a movie and you get to this climactic moment and you're in the movie theater and, and you know, the speakers start shaking and, and you well, because it's important, right? God's saying, this is important. I want you, Isaiah, to understand that my holiness is the foundation of your relationship with me, of Israel's relationship with me, of anyone's relationship with me. And until you understand my holiness, you really cannot even begin to have a relationship with me. And so God, the seraphim, that's, that's their job. They, they, they Proclaim His holiness. And really, I think that we can think about holiness in a way that holiness is sort of like the sum of God's perfections. So we can say that God is a lot of things, but when we talk about holiness, it sort of sums them all up and say, well, here are all of His perfections in one. He's perfect in power. He's perfect in love and grace and mercy. He's perfect in judgment. He's perfect in his creative powers. He's perfect in his knowledge and his plans. And as they say, holy, 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 and they repeat it three times, again, we see the emphasis with, with that repetition of the word holiness. They're saying God is perfect in all of these ways, which makes him different than you because you're a sinner. You're not perfect in all your ways, and you're not holy. And so we see that holiness is foundational to our understanding of the mission. And let me give you a couple of reasons why I think it's really important that as we think about our mission as a church, as we think, as I think about our mission in Ukraine, why it's important to keep holiness, the holiness of God, foundational in those motivations. And number one is this, the, the holiness of God focuses our message upon the God who gave the message. You can be sure that as Isaiah went out, and if you don't believe me, read the rest of the book of Isaiah. As Isaiah went out, his message was a message about a holy God. And it was clear. He pointed people to God. It focuses our message upon God, and too often the gospel becomes about something other than just God. It becomes about, well, you can, you know, you do this, things are going to be better in your life. And, and unfortunately, we too often see a very man centered gospel. Will the gospel change things in your life? Yes, it will. But the primary focus on the gospel is on God's holiness and his glory. So it focuses our message upon God and his holiness. Uh, number two, it reminds us of how much greater our message is than simply saving people from hell. And I don't want to, to downgrade this in any way at all. We need to go out and preach the gospel because it is the only thing that can save people from hell. But our gospel is about so much more than that. It is about a holy God. And we must not lose that focus so I think that some bad things happen when our only focus is upon, I just want to save you from hell. And, and so 
For instance, what happens if that's our only motivation? We could get really discouraged, first of all, because not everyone's going to listen to our message. We can get really discouraged. But if we realize that we are being faithful to a God who has called us to go and preach a holy God, then we realize we're fulfilling God's will in our lives. We're doing the task that He called us to do, even if we don't get the response that we want. Also, you know what happens? Sometimes we don't always want everyone to be saved from hell. Think about Jonah. There was a guy with wrong motivations, right? That was wrong. He had wrong motivations. He didn't want everyone to be saved. He knew God could do it. That was the problem. And that's why he didn't want to go. And so we need to keep our minds focused on the holiness of God because sometimes our motivations about the person next door aren't always exactly pure, right? Another reason why the holiness of God is a motivating factor is because it helps us to communicate the majesty and beauty and the riches of God and His gospel rather than just plain facts. The gospel is so much more than just, you know, three steps to this or, or four keys to that. Think about how Paul writes about the gospel in Romans chapter 11 where he says, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments and His paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? That's the holiness of God. And Paul is saying that in context of talking about the salvation of Israel and talking about the gospel. It is a very beautiful thing when we understand the holiness of God. You know, I think that also when we understand holiness as a motivation for us, it helps us to avoid legalism. Now, you may think, well, how, how could that be? Because sometimes people think that, that too much of a focus on holiness can lead to legalism, but really the opposite is, is true. So the, the, the so-called uh, uh, holiness of legalism is really a fake holiness. It's just an outward holiness. It's a facade. It's not real. But what happens is when we focus on God's holiness is that it takes our eyes off of just all of those outward things that we do to try to be holy, and it helps us to focus on what is really holy. And really, when we understand what the holiness of God is, it blows legalism out of the water. Because we realize how foolish it is. We realize how vain it is to try and impress God with our own holiness. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, Isaiah realized that really quick, didn't he? And Isaiah probably was relatively a pretty good person if you compared him to the people and the society in which he lived. But understanding God's holiness and what it really is, it just destroys any kind of legalism that tends to creep into the gospel. The fifth reason why I think holiness is so important, God's holiness as a motivation, is because it keeps us from falling into the trap of programism or Methodism. 
We, we so easily we fall for these new techniques and new fads, and I'm not saying that they're bad, but we think that, okay, if I could just do this or have this material or if we could do this program in our church, then God would really do something. Like, wait a minute. Do you not understand the holiness of God? It's not about the particular programs that you have. Yeah, use them. That's great. But don't rest your faith in those programs. Rest them in a holy God who is able to forgive and save. Because that's where it is really found. And think about the Israelites. The, think about the, those in Judah at Isaiah's time. They were very confident. They, they had a, a good and strong king. They had a strong army. They had a good position in the world. They were God's chosen people. They had all of the law. And they thought, well, look, all of these methods are working. But where was their confidence? It was in the programs, the methods, the law. It was in their own selves, really, instead of looking to a holy God. And then the, the, the final thing, why I think it's so important that we keep holiness as a motivation for our mission is that holiness provides, and the holiness of God provides an unchanging motivation regardless of the circumstances. Isaiah was in, his ministry was hard. He... Read a little bit further down in chapter 6, and you'll find out how hard his ministry was. God said, hey, you're going to go out and preach, and no one's going to listen. Well, what keeps you motivated when no one is listening? Knowing that your God is holy. It keeps you motivated. So what happens is when the mission is good, when we are seeing re, uh, success, when we are seeing lots of people come in, when everyone is saying, wow, what an amazing ministry, what an amazing evangelist, what an amazing church, the holiness of God keeps us humble. Because we realize, yeah, this is all great, but God is so holy. And we have so far to go to get to that holiness. And it is only because of His grace that we are experiencing any of this success today keeps us grounded. But when the mission is bad, when people aren't listening, when there's persecution, when people aren't getting saved, when people are getting angry and upset with you, when it just seems like nothing is going the way you had planned it, you turn again to the holiness of God and realize you are a holy God and you are so great and far beyond me that you will find some way to bring glory to yourself through all of this. And you trust that. And the holiness of God gives you this balance throughout the mission. Because it's about Him, not about our particular successes, not about our particular abilities, not about some this success or that success. We look at the whole picture. It is about His holiness. So as we look at this passage in Isaiah chapter 6, we see that God focuses Isaiah's attention on His own holiness. Because it would be so vital in the future in Isaiah's ministry. And I believe it is vital in our ministry and in our mission as well. 
That we remember the holiness of God. And how can we do that, dear friends? I think that we need to make sure that we keep the holiness of God central. And the only way to keep the holiness of God central is to keep God's word central. His holy word. Keep it central in our personal lives. Keep it central in our ministries. Because God's word will faithfully always point to who he is. He is a holy God. So make your personal Bible study central in your life. Be consistent and regular in it because that is what is exposing your heart to a holy God. Do not drift away from it because when you drift away from it, you will drift away from an understanding of a holy God just like Uzziah did. And I think it's helpful for us also to remember that we have a personal calling, each of us. And that personal calling comes from a holy God. We have to keep that in mind as we carry out His task in our lives. And finally, I would say, make your life a holy example. Make it a holy example so that when other people look at your life, they don't see legalism, but what they see is they see something different. Different. Different is holy. But primarily, not just even different actions, not even just a different lifestyle, but they see a different motivation for your whole life. They see a different goal. They see a different heart. And in that, they will also see the holiness of God. Let me close in prayer.